Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I am coming to you live on delay from Sweden. Just two days ago here in Sweden, we experienced a terrorist attack from members that were representing the ideology of ISIS. A few guys hijacked a beer truck. And a few hours after they hijacked that truck, they went driving through one of the most heavily populated pedestrian areas of downtown Stockholm, killing whoever they could, women, men, and children, all in the name of Islam. And today, Palm Sunday, only a couple days after that attack from where I'm at right now in Sweden, we have another attack that just took place in Egypt. Two different locations just north of Cairo in pretty well-known, significant-sized churches where the Pope from Rome is supposed to be visiting later on this month. We have a dear brother that I met only briefly for a a small amount of time in Turkey uh, who is now in Egypt. His name is Paul. He's a missionary that is serving there, and we are going to go to him live right now where the attacks took place only hours ago. Let's get him on the phone. And let's go to Paul now. We have him online. Hey, Paul, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Paul, um, the reason why I'm, I'm calling and talking to you is because I know that you are located right now in, uh, in Egypt. And, um, you, there were two churches that I saw on the news that was, that was hit by terrorists. Um, it's just really quick before we get going. Um, it's very interesting how we became friends on, on, um, um, Facebook because I was doing a back to Jerusalem recording in Turkey, kind of in the footsteps of Paul. We're creating this, this back to Jerusalem, um, Bible study. It's called on, it's a road trip Bible study. And while I was there doing the recording, we just kind of happened to bump shoulders and you were familiar with back to Jerusalem. Yes. Yeah. That was quite the encounter. Uh, yeah, it was. And, and what was odd was, um, as you and I got to talk and you were like, are you Eugene? And so I was like, okay, that's, that's strange, you know, being out because there were very few people, um, that were there that day. Um, it was, uh, it was not tourist season. Um, it was only me and my cameraman. It was just the two of us. And we chose that, uh, period of time because we knew that there would be very few people there. But you were there with your, with a church group. I was there, yeah, with some different, uh, individuals who uh, are part of, um, communities of prayer, uh, across the world, specifically in, in, in the U.S. But, um, yeah. Uh, I knew about back to Jerusalem. Are you still there, Paul? 
So I know that Paul is in Cairo at the moment, so it is it is not easy. We may drop him from time to time um, while doing this interview. I'm just going to try to call him back. Oh, sorry, Paul. It seems that we lost you. Are you in a place where you have okay um, oh, reception? Yeah, I'm outside. The, the signal's pretty good. I couldn't move, but you know, it's just a little bit. Okay, no problem. Hey, um, so you are in Egypt right now, and uh, unfortunately, you guys were hit with two different bombings uh, in that nation. Uh, what do you know about what what took place this morning? Yeah, so there was a bombing in Tanta, which is a city in the Delta, about two hours, I think, from Cairo. And uh, it was targeting a Palm Sunday celebration service at the Coptic Church. And unfortunately, there was a lot of people killed uh, about... Uh, between the two, it was about 43, I think, is the current count. But, um, yeah, so that was carried out by, uh, likely, uh, Islamists, militants. And then there was a second one, uh, in Alexandria, which is the, um, the seat of the Coptic, uh, Pope. And so that one also killed a number of people and injured many, uh, of my brothers and sisters here in, in Egypt. Um, so yeah, that's the, the gist of, of what happened. In, in what is what is the climate right now for Christians in Egypt? I mean, um, it, it, does there does there seem to be a big pushback? Because I know that at the moment you have President Sisi who is in charge. Um, the Muslim Brotherhood has been ousted. Um, some of the leadership has been thrown in jail. Uh, is this a reaction to that, or do you think that it's it's something more? Uh, well, you know, that's obviously that's part of the picture. Um, but the the good news is that um, Yeshua said that you know the that his his community, his assembly would <laughs> they would advance against the gates of, of death. And uh so here there's there's a spiritual battle going on and uh that that manifests itself in different ways at different times. But right now I feel like um yeah that that there's there's a, a pushback um against the kingdom of of Messiah advancing in, in Egypt um, through the, the many believers here because this country has uh, probably the most believers um, uh, by large out of any Middle Eastern nation at this point, Middle Eastern or North African nation. Uh, I don't know. Have you been to the church in the cave there in uh, Cairo? Uh, yeah. Because I, I, I'm always surprised when I go there. For number one, there's no road that actually leads there. You have to go through the garbage village of, of, uh, you know, where the Christians live. They're at the foot of the mountain. Uh, last time I drove there, I had a taxi cab driver who was born and raised in Egypt. He's only been a driver in Egypt and he's never been there. He didn't know how to get there. <laughs> 
I had to use Google Maps in order to tell him how to get there. There's no road signs that lead to that church. And yet it is the largest church in Africa in the Middle East. Um, what, what amazes me is that there, there, the, the church in Alexandria goes back to the days of the disciples and was actually the seat of some of the very first theological centers for Christianity. Um, what would you say, what, what would you say is the situation for Christians today in Egypt? Would you say that they're growing, that they're declining, or that they're just maintaining status quo? My experience hasn't been a uh, majority with the cult, which um, is the, the vast majority of Christians in Egypt. Uh, though I, I do have a number of Coptic friends and a lot of um, the more evangelicals uh, here uh, were, you know, coming from Coptic parents and stuff. So, um, yeah, I have a little bit of a taste. I can't say I have the whole picture, but I'll share what I what I understand, what I see, and yeah. So. Uh, the percentage-wise is probably around 15 to, um, yeah, maybe 15% of, of the population in Egypt, of 90 million people in Egypt. And uh, so they're, they're a minority, but they're a very large minority. The largest minority. Uh, wait a minute. You said that 15% of the population of Egypt would claim to be Christian? It's around there. It's hard to get exact numbers, but it's somewhere between um, 10 and 15 is what a lot of people would say. That's amazing. That That is absolutely phenomenal because, I mean, that is a Muslim country where Christians are persecuted. Um, they do have a minority status, and a mi- being a minority status in a Muslim country is never a fun thing. Uh, but 15%, that is that is an amazing number of believers. Um, uh, how many of those would you say are Christians that would not associate with the Coptic Church per se, but would be evangelical? Yeah, uh, some of the cops are evangelical in their in their way the way that they they worship with some places like this that um, that assembly in uh, the that church in the above the other city that you just mentioned. Um, but yeah, so it's very small, the, the evangelical community, but at the same time, it, it is in a way leading. And many, uh, like there was a recent uh, prayer gathering in Egypt and thousands of believers, from Egyptian believers gathered. I'm sure many of them were, um, were Coptic, but uh, are happy to worship alongside uh, how many people? How many people would you say were at that meeting? At the meeting, uh, maybe three thousand. It could be more. I'm not sure. Wow. I mean, because I know Brother Yun went there. He was just in yeah. Egypt. He was speaking mainly with the Chinese, baptizing new believers. Um, the, that meeting that took place. Where was that held? That was held um, in Bethel uh, Wadi, which is a. Uh, Center and a church center with a hotel and convent area uh, that's run by the largest evangelical church in the Middle East, which is uh, Pastor Abu uh located at the famous Pariah Square here in, in Cairo. Um, so they have that large facility, and it's often used for such gatherings where uh, it's, uh, Christians across Egypt come and gather there um, to worship and pray together. 
I, I saw some of the photos that you posted on that, and that, I mean, that really looked explosive. That looked like people that were crying out, that were hungry. Um, and, and I have to ask myself, uh, tell me what your thoughts are. I have to ask myself, did something happen in the spiritual realm where the enemy felt that this was a need to kind of dampen down that environment, to come out and attack the Christians, uh, because it seemed that there were communities, Christian communities from all around Egypt coming together, and then only like a week later, we have these attacks that are taking place um, just north of Cairo and Tanta, as well as in Alexandria. Do you think the two are spiritually connected at all? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think of, for instance, uh, you know, the, the, the martyr of Stephen, you know, Acts 7, you know, he, he said, you know, I, I see God on his throne, and I see, you know, Yeshua at his right hand. Uh, and, you know, this is, at Palm Sunday, this is what the, this is basically what, what the Egyptians are, are, are saying. Egyptian Christians um, are saying, you know, I'm seeing Yeshua. He is, he is God. He is King. And, uh, that provokes a, a rage out of the enemy. Um, and the same thing was happening at that, the answer prayer gathering. You know, just crying out to God, crying out to God, um, to break the fear off the nation. But of course, you know, the, the response of the enemy is to try to bring fear. But, uh, I, I really believe that Many of them, and the majority will react, you know, as, you know, as our Lord did, and as Stephen did, saying, you know, Father, forgive them. Uh, they, don't, they don't know what they're doing, uh, and it will be a witness. And, you know, even as, even as uh, the Apostle uh, Paul was standing there, and they laid um, the clothing at his feet, you know, I believe that, the, you know, many in this nation, um, will turn uh, to God, they will turn to Jesus for salvation because uh, they see this, this murdered witness. Um, yeah, even right now, I believe. You know, what is, uh, what is uh, amazing to me is that it's almost like the enemy has yet to understand or refuses to understand. I don't know what the case is, but persecution tends to bring about revival and tenacity among yeah. Christians. Yeah. And it's almost yeah. like a fuel. There's, I mean, I'm experiencing it in Iran. I'm experiencing it in China. Um, I, whenever I read through the book of Acts, you just talked about Stephen. Um, persecution is always the pre-runner for spiritual victory. We see that with Jesus. The very crucifixion is a picture yeah. of of persecution before the greatest victory. Uh, for those of you that are joining us, uh, we are talking with Paul, uh, Brother Paul, who is in Egypt right now, a friend that we have connected with. Uh, he is in Egypt uh, during a very sad day. This is Palm Sunday when we are doing the recording, and there has been two bombing attacks in Egypt where at least uh, 44 people have been recorded or 45 people have been recorded as being killed. That's what's coming out in the immediate hours of the reporting, um, and there are several hundred people that have been 
uh, injured in the bombings. And it seems at least in the early portion of the reportings that ISIS is claiming victory uh, for or claiming responsibility rather for these bombings. Um, while you were there, Paul, and connecting with the Christians, what is their reaction to the events that have taken place today? I know that when I called you, um, you took just a moment to greet one of the Egyptian, uh, an Egyptian friend of yours that was sitting beside you. Um, what, 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 what is their feeling for today? Have you, have you gotten kind of your finger on, on what their mood is and what their feeling is about the attacks? I don't have my, my pulse on it today. Um, I was here during the, the last bombing that happened um, uh, at the end of 2016 with the large cathedral here. And, um, you know, I, I really believe that uh, that was a real key moment. Uh, the population of, of, of you know, they, they came out on the street and they declared uh, the Apostolic Creed, you know, declaring... Um, Jesus as as God and Savior and and their you know their full commitment to Him uh, and you know I think you know, one thing happens is that obviously you know for for when a, when a text done in um, the name of, of Islam and the name of um, the God of Islam you know there's obviously a little bit of a this hurt that comes in the hearts of the believers but. Uh, you know, they, they look at their, maybe they look twice at their Muslim neighbors. You know, they, you know, they're just friends with them, um, for many of them, but it's like, oh, you know, because, you know, it's because of your faith that these people did that, you know, that's, I mean, a reaction. And even I, you know, struggle, I was struggling just to, you know, I need to have Christ's love and, and smile and, and show, um, uh, his love towards, uh, all the people here in, in Egypt. And as I, I really believe that's, um, that's a struggle. You know, I see the, the fear that comes. Um, yeah, so that's a couple things. Uh, Paul, uh, I, I'm, I'm really appreciative that we're able to sit and speak with you during this, during this time. Um, our prayers will be with you. If people want to know how to support you or how to follow you or how to pray for you, um, where can they go for more information? want to um, get in, in touch with me, they can just um, uh, find me at my website, P-A-U-L-R-A-V.com, uh, and they can follow me on, on Facebook or Twitter, uh, anything like that's fine, or email me. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I really want uh, people to pray for the day this year today, the real critical day that, that we would pray um, that we would react, that the believers here would have, have the comfort of the Holy Spirit, obviously, because many of them have lost family members and limbs. Um, and, yeah, that you would God would pour out His Spirit um, and, and give them grace to build their uh, and, and proclaim uh, the King. It's such an opportunity when something like this happens as tragic. And it's an opportunity to, to say why these people died, and that's because of Jesus, you know. Set 
Well, I, I, we really appreciate your time. For those of you that are listening to this podcast, uh, if you want to follow Paul Rav uh, in, or or to support him, partner with him, uh, pray for him, find out what he's doing in the Middle East and with Muslims today, you can go to his website, paulrav.com. That's P-A-U-L-A-R-A-V.com. There you can find more about him as well as resources and how to partner. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate your time. God bless you and uh, re- be safe there in Egypt, okay? Yeah, best thing you. Thank you, Julie. Okay. Bye-bye, brother. Bye-bye, what is taking place? Now, I, I apologize, you know, you, whenever we are calling people or working together with people that are in places like Egypt, sometimes the sound quality is not that great. Um, we did connect initially through a Google call, but there was a feedback uh, that was coming across the line at that time. So we chose to call his phone uh, there in Egypt. Unfortunately, there was a lot of kind of like uh, brush up noise with the microphone of the phone that he was using. So you might not have been able to hear everything that he said, but hopefully you were able to understand enough to learn more about what took place on Palm Sunday, the week before Easter in Egypt. These are not the first attacks that we've seen inside of Egypt. I do pray that they're the last, but I, if the world continues to tarry and Christ does not come back soon, I don't think those will be the last attacks in Egypt. Now, I didn't get a chance to ask Paul too much about President Sisi, but as one of our podcasts, when we did it in Egypt, the mood in Egypt is changing a, a, quite a bit under President Sisi. Now, if you have not been paying attention to politics, do not worry. You are not alone. Politics as right now could not be at a more worse state around the world. I mean, we were looking at Brexit. I just saw Marine Le Pen in France was about to give a speech. Rioters came out in force. I mean, they're, they, they're, there are people that do not want another view other than their own to be heard at all. And they are coming out viciously and violently. Um, and, and they say that they're for free speech, but actually they are for anything but free speech. They're only for free speech when it agrees with them, uh, them and their agenda, which is not free speech. I mean, who is going to disagree in North Korea if you agree with Kim Jong-un? Who's going to disagree with you in Iran if all of your words that you're shouting from the top of your lungs is the exact line of the Ayatollah in Iran? Nobody. Free speech isn't for speech that you like. It's for the speech that you don't like. And we're seeing that with the elections that just took place in um, uh, Netherlands. Uh, we're seeing that with the elections now in um, France. And even right now where I'm at, I'm doing this podcast from the northern mountains of Sweden, where just two days ago, we also experienced an attack that's by ISIS-inspired very much what we're seeing in Egypt. Is, is this the new norm? 
Really, every time I turn on the news. So if you feel despair every time you're watching the news and you know what, you're, you're like, you know what? Screw this. I don't want to see this anymore. And you're just so burned out by all the bad news that you stop watching news altogether. I completely get it. I completely understand it. So if you don't know what's taking place politically in Egypt, you're forgiven. <laughs> I think we're all forgiven because we don't really want to see it anymore. We don't really want to deal with the bad news. It's like everybody's fighting and at each other's throat. There's so much, there, it seems like there's so many things going on right now, like wars and rumors of wars. We just had a bombing take place yesterday in Syria. We just had a, a terrorist attack that took place in downtown Stockholm that was ISIS inspired. And it wasn't just an attack. It wasn't a bombing. It was guys got into a truck. They hijacked a beer truck and drove through the main walking areas of Stockholm full speed. I mean, I don't, they, the news doesn't say exactly how fast they were going, but they had to be going somewhere north of 60 miles an hour on a sidewalk. Because when they hit Olians, which is a main shopping store in downtown Stockholm, they basically went through the first level, like the, the downstairs. They busted through. There's these massive lion concrete barriers that keep vehicles from driving onto the sidewalk or the side the walking streets of Stockholm um, that would take you from Kungshallen all the way to the castle uh, or Kungsgatan. So there's a there's a road called Kungsgatan, which is the main kind of road right at the opera house. And then you would walk, you can walk on a pedestrian walkway all the way up. You cross several streets, of course, uh, and across a couple bridges because Stockholm's made up of islands. But you go all the way up to the castle. Now, there was a um, driver that saw, he was a, a security guard, a Swedish security guard in the main area downtown. When he saw the driver driving through the people, he was able to put position his vehicle in a way that blocked that truck from going straight to the parliament building. And then the truck ended up crashing into Olians. And then the, the occupants jumped out, all of them Islamic militants, which is not really being reported too much in the news, jump out with weapons, even though carrying a, your own personal weapon in Sweden is illegal. They had weapons, and then um, they were able to fight the police. The police killed two of the individuals, later arrested one, and then there was a, a car chase last night um, on Saturday evening, just before Palm Sunday, when they caught another suspect. They don't think that they have all of the people yet. And then on Palm Sunday... Another attack takes place in Egypt where two large churches, large gatherings of Christians that are coming together the week before Easter to worship Christ being specifically targeted by Muslim militants. ISIS, of course, claiming the responsibility for this. What is happening, though, in Egypt and I want you guys to continue to pray for this nation. Right now we have probably close to 20 or more uh, back to Jerusalem missionaries that are serving in Cairo. Uh, their English is not very good or else I would call them and do a uh, recording together with them. Amazing brothers and sisters in Egypt um, that are serving Christ and preaching the gospel to the local Muslims. And they've been there doing this since the Arab Spring. 
I was there for the Arab Spring. If you've been following our podcast, I was there when it erupted and the Chinese stayed throughout the entire time when it was the most violent under the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, if you're not familiar with the Muslim Brotherhood inside of Egypt, let me just point out a couple very elementary facts that are undisputed. In 2009, when Barack Obama became the president of the United States, one of the first places that he flew to outside of the United States to make a speech was Cairo, Egypt. And when he did so in 2009, he uh, demanded, basically uh, almost uh, blackmailed um, Mubarak, saying that you have to allow the Muslim Brotherhood to attend my speech and gave them front row seats. So the front row against Mubarak's, I mean, they were the enemies of the Egyptian government. They wanted to overthrow and they did overthrow the Egyptian government in the 2011 Arab Spring. And the 2000 Arab Spring, which took place less than two years after Barack Obama's speech in Cairo, was led by the Muslim Brotherhood. Presidential Directive 11, which is now made secure, was a presidential directive that are usually presidential directives are open to read. This is not conspiracy theory. You can look this up on Wikipedia. This is this is open news that I am sharing with you. Barack Obama, as the president of the United States, issued a presidential directive to research and study more about the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt and how best to support them. And as they raised up and they had huge violent clashes in the streets against Mubarak in 2011 with the Arab Spring, the Muslim Brotherhood was able to seize power in Egypt and they had the full support of the United States under Barack Obama. He befriended and supported the Muslim Brotherhood and the Christians in Egypt suffered dramatically. Since then, there was a coup, and now there is a new president inside of Egypt. His name is President Sisi, and President Sisi has been giving Christians in Egypt uh, positions of cons- consultation or positions of power that they've never had before. It's it, it's a it's an amazing development that has taken place inside of um, Egypt, and it's all because or, I mean, of course, it's praying Christians. But Abdel Fattah el Sisi, the new president or the the current president of Egypt, has seen dramatic tr- changes for the better. And when I say for the better, I'm not just talking about Christianity. We've been there. We've talked with a lot of the locals, and the locals will tell you that every faucet of the Egyptian economy is actually changing for the good since the Muslim Brotherhood has been removed. Now, but, but since the Muslim Brotherhood has been removed from power, they have been behind a lot of the attacks on the Christians because they believe that the Christians are the reason for the rise of President Sisi, President El Sisi. Um, uh, for President Sisi came to power and they blame it, the Muslim Brotherhood and the Muslim extremists, they blame it on the Christian minorities. 
And there has been a blood price to pay. There's been blood in the streets. There's been attacks specifically on the Christians. And I believe that God is moving in the play, in, in Egypt today. Now remember, Egypt was the place where Christianity first started to take root. Now you'll learn more about this if you come together, if, if, if you, um, get our back to Jerusalem road trip Bible study, a Bible study that we are making available at the end of this year, 2017, it will be mainly available in 2018. Um, this Bible study will take you around the world to see revivals and the history of revivals starting in Jerusalem and then moving westward from Jerusalem, Judea, um, Samaria, and the rest of the world. The exact blueprint that God laid out, that Jesus laid out. We go from Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Asia Minor, Europe, Africa. Now, when we're in Africa specifically, that is where we come across Egypt and what God did in Egypt and how revivals broke out. Coptic, by the way, means common, like commoner. It's the, it, the, the common Egyptian was Christian. Uh, for many years long before Islam even existed. And when, when Islam came to Egypt, they didn't come and win converts the way that Christianity did. You see, Christianity was persecuted in the beginning days of Christianity in Egypt. In fact, um, the, the popes, um, after they took over from the days of the apostles in the book of Acts, that the popes had a very short lifespan. They knew that they would be killed. They knew that they would be assassinated and slaughtered. So to be a, an Egyptian Coptic pope in the early days of the Christian church was basically a death sentence. Your days were numbered. You were going to be martyred. However, and what is beautiful about this is that the hearts of the Egyptians began to change and revival broke out and Egypt became a Christian nation and um, the schools of seminary. This is long before seminaries were ever started or thought about in Europe. Seminaries began to be started in Alexandria and Alexandria became the powerhouse of the Christian church. For around the world. They, they're the ones that began to write about the idea of the Trinity and Jesus being the Son of God and these, these ideas that actually shaped the Nicene Creed came not from Europe, but from Africa, Northern Africa. We don't even think of Egypt as being in Northern Africa today because when the, when, when the Muslims began to take over, it wasn't Islam as a conversion religion, a religion of converts. It was a religion of war. And it, the, the Islam coming from the Middle East was represented by Middle Easterners. And so when they went into Egypt, they went in as conquerors. And when they went in as conquerors, they were not willing to win converts by trying to debate and give truth and justice and the, the, uh, the ideas of people accepting Islam as a religion based on the, the condition of their heart. And instead, they were forced to convert by the sword. And there was massive slaughters that took place among the Christian communities in Egypt. And that, that conquering that the, that the Muslims experienced in Egypt 
is what they want to see again. The, the grand days of the caliphate. That's what ISIS is, by the way, the reestablishment of the caliphate. And the caliphate wants to see the grand heyday when they ruled. And those that were not Muslims, they were infidels. And the infidels had to pay jizya. And the jizya is a tax upon the Christians and those that are not Muslims and the Muslims ruled in a powerful fashion. When they walked down the streets, the Christians, the Jews, the non-Muslims had to cross the street because they had to respect the power of the Muslims. And the Muslims were able to control. They were able to push down. They were able to strap onto the Christians a burden of slavery. And a lot of the um, Africans were killed, slaughtered, enslaved, or bred out. And so you see Egypt today as not an African type of ethnicity, but a Middle Eastern type of ethnicity. And so what you have is you have foods that represent the Middle East. You have a language. Uh, actually, you have your standard Arabic language on that northern horn of Africa. And with that, the Muslims of today, the Islamists, the, the radical Muslims, those that, that aspire to take on the vision of ISIS, they want to have the absolute control. You see, Egypt in their mind is too moderate. Egypt in their mind is too secular. Egypt in their mind should not allow for any Christian church to have a physical presence that is so large inside of Egypt. And there's a spiritual earthquake, if you will, that is starting to shake the very nation of Egypt. And the Christians are, I know that you might have heard this before, missionaries trying to talk about the amazing impact that they're having on Egypt, and Egypt will one day be again the land of God, and Christians will come out of the woodwork, and they'll be sprouting out of the sand. Um, and, but then 10 years goes by, 20 years goes by, those old missionaries die, those those old um, messages uh, somehow get put onto libraries of the forgotten abyss, and you never hear from them again. And it sounds like a repetition of more, a repetition based more on hope than on fact. But here, let me give you a fact. According to Paul, he said that the population of Christianity inside of Egypt today is as high as 15%. That is a massive change in Egypt from the grand heyday of it being a strong Muslim nation. And that, by the way, is exactly what the Muslim Brotherhood, supported by the American president, wanted to see inside of Egypt. The Muslim Brotherhood wanted the kind of strong Muslim country that was ruled by Sharia law. They wanted to take Egypt back to the glory days of Islam, when Christians had a boot on their neck, when Jews were kept down and oppressed. That is what they dreamed about, and that's what they tried to establish. And if you ask my opinion, I believe what has happened in Egypt is they saw the true face of Islam, and the people don't like it. The more Islamic a country is, the more oppressive it is for the citizens. Even those that believe in the Quran, even those that gravitate and give their lives to Allah, 
are more oppressed in a strong Muslim nation. It's only when the Muslim nations become less Muslim that they enjoy more freedom. Meaning that if they are more secular like Egypt, if they're more secular like Turkey, if they're more secular like Indonesia and Malaysia, they actually experience more economic, political, and religious freedom. The more Islamic they become, the more oppressed their citizens are. The more oppressed, the more um, destitute their economy is, the more destitute their education is, the more destitute their, their their medicine practice, their medical practice is. So what we are seeing in Egypt, I believe, are growing pains. Christians, more Christians are coming to Christ. More people are coming to Christ. And as they come to Christ in Egypt, the enemy gets upset. And the enemy begins to react by attacking, physically attacking. He tries to intimidate. He tries to bring fear. But instead of fear, he brings about zeal. The Christians that decide under no circumstances will I deny my faith. Under no circumstances will I deny the power of Jesus Christ. Because it is the power that gives life and salvation. When they start to attack Christians, what they do is they pull Christians out of an, out of a state of, uh, in, in, of, 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 um, <laughs> Forgive me, my mind just went blank just for a minute uh, as I went on this diatribe into a direction that I didn't really want to go into. But they pull Christians out of a state where they just don't care anymore. A, 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 a place where they are relaxed, lackadaisical Christians, um, allowing their faith to just be in status quo. Instead... They are turning these Christians that would be in status quo like the cultural Christians. We've been working with them a lot in Syria and in Iraq. Those that are Chaldean Christians. Those that are Assyrian Christians. Um, those that come from the Assyrian background church. They are Christians because they are culturally Christian. They're, they're, um, like the the Christians in Iran that are not Iranian but Armenian. They say, yes, of course I'm Christian because I'm Armenian. A lot of Americans are that way, right? They're like, I of course I'm a Christian because I'm an American. So they identify with Christianity as a part of their culture and it's not an active relationship with Jesus Christ. However, when you add persecution into the mix of this pot, you have a lot of Christians in Egypt that are like, you know what? What do I believe? I believe in Christ. I want to share his love. And all of a sudden, they, they, they go from being cold to hot. The persecution pushes them one way or the other. And instead of being cultural Christians, now they are Christians who've made independent decisions to follow after Christ. And even though there are lives as many as 45 today on Palm Sunday that have been lost in two Muslim attacks on churches in Egypt. And I hope I don't come across in a bad way by saying this. But if you're going to leave this earth, if you're going to die, Is there a better place to know that your last moments on this earth 
was walking into the presence of the house of the Lord with fellow believers and saints, entering into praise, for this is the day, Sunday, the day after the Sabbath, when we continue to celebrate the resurrection of our Jesus Christ, who was crucified on a Friday, who was crucified on what we now call Good Friday, which is this coming Friday when I'm doing this recording. And he was crucified for my sins and resurrected on the third day, resurrected on a Sunday. And every Sunday, Since that day, saints from around the world come together in unison to worship and praise and give thanks to God that not only did he die for our sins, but he was also resurrected. And just as he lives, so will I with him one day. And that day for many saints in Egypt was today. Yes, they left this earth. I don't know how many of them were Christian. Maybe they were not Christian, just attending the service. I do not know the condition of their soul. But I can say, when that day comes for me, what a glorious, wonderful thought that possibly I could be surrounded by fellow saints and believers. Continue to pray for the Back to Jerusalem missionaries in Egypt. Continue to pray for our dear brother Paul, who I had the privilege of meeting for the first time while doing our recording for, and that was the, that was the craziest thing ever. I was just traveling in Turkey and we were doing recordings and all of a sudden this young guy comes up and says, Hey, what are you guys doing? Now we had to be very careful about what we wanted to, uh, tell him. We were traveling with a, uh, or we had, we weren't traveling with him. We had, uh, hired the services of a tour guide for that specific area where Paul had preached and ministered and we did not tell him that we were with back to Jerusalem. That's something that we don't share openly uh, when we're traveling in, in some of the areas that we are doing the recordings in. And so when I learned that he was from the house of prayer, then I said, you know, yeah, we're with back to Jerusalem. He goes, you're Eugene Bach. So, I mean, he, he recognized, um, our voice from our podcast. I think that he's probably, uh, listened to our podcast in the, in the past. I'm not sure. But if you want to support Paul, I highly encourage you to do that. You can go to his website at paulrav.com. There he has blog and media. He has information about himself, resources uh, for those that are wanting to know more about the ministry, as well as a way to partner together with him. Now, I don't know his situation on how many people are sponsoring him or supporting him while he is working and serving in the Middle East, but I'm sure that he would appreciate if you would go on and become a partner in whatever way that you're capable and whatever way that the Lord leads and guides you. I want to thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. May you continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Egypt and pray for the families of those that were left behind. Pray for the families, even though those that were believers that have now been uh, martyred, they will spend tonight in communion with our Savior. But it's their families that have been left behind to grieve their absence. Thank you so much, and may God bless you.